Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Supernatural or the miraculous in church and kind of uh, push a little bit, if you will, into that, that realm. Um, now, some people, I once put on the, it's been years ago, I put on a sign at, in the church up in Kalamazoo that we were doing a series on the supernatural, and someone actually stopped and walked into the church building, which is, I mean, extremely rare that anybody even reads a church sign, okay? <laughs> Let alone responds to what was written on a sign. It was an older man, and he said, what? And I got it. He comes up the door. It was just on a Monday or Wednesday or whenever I was just doing the office work. He was like, how can a church be talking about the supernatural? And to me, that was like dumbfounding. I mean, how can a church not talk about supernatural? But he's like, that UFO stuff, that's just crazy. Because <laughs> in his mind, supernatural was like UFOs and aliens, you know, and science fiction, all right? He thought supernatural was synonymous with science fiction. And I said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. It's about miraculous. It's about God does the miracle. He does miracles. And I was like, oh, okay, now I understand. <laughs> and so whenever we use a term that's not common in our, in our culture or used in different ways, we have to um, explain it. And the goal of this series is to give some attention. You know, most of the time throughout the year, we are a teaching church. I, I believe in creating a congregation that's family-friendly, so we'd love to have children's ministry and do Sunday morning church in a way that it, it, uh, is an on-ramp for maybe people that have never gone to church. <clears throat> but we are a charismatic church. We are a church that believes in supernatural, miraculous activity for today. Yes. And so we want to press into that. Uh, maybe you have always been in a church that uh, believe that or been a Christian that believed that. I grew up in a church that uh, never talked about it. So just now, now maybe you still don't believe it. That's okay. <laughs> but I'm just curious, who grew up in a church where that was not charismatic, that thought uh, tongues and prophecy and healing the sick uh, was no longer for today? I say a good number of us. How many know someone that is fervent in their belief that those things are not for today. <laughs> right, okay. And so <clears throat> this is a real issue. And so we're going to, today is really going to be a, a, more of a teaching through this idea. You know, God is miraculous, right? To, that seems pretty obvious. Even for someone who doesn't believe in miracles today, if you say, well, God does miracles, God is miraculous. He did miracles they would agree, right? <clears throat> uh, to me, trying to prove the point that God is miraculous is trying to prove the point uh, that the earth exists. <laughs> you know? yeah. Prove that the earth exists. <laughs> like, well, here we are. <laughs> but do you know that there are, not, there are lots of people that don't believe in the literal existence of the earth? You know, the, the Church of uh, the, uh, Science, uh, what's it, the Church of Science, not Scientology, the Church of uh, Christian Science. The Christian Science Church, which is a rather large denomination, does not believe in physical reality. They don't believe this chair is actually a substance. They believe it's all spiritual. 
uh, it's a spiritualization. And so every interaction that we have with any object or person actually is happening in a spiritual realm. They don't believe in the physical, the actual physical realm. <clears throat> Seriously. Uh, and it's like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. <laughs> I believe that there's a floor underneath my foot. All right? I believe it's really there. It's objective. Whether I, whether I believe it's there or not, it's still there, right? <laughs> it's concrete. <laughs> All right, so that's the idea with God being supernatural. It's just a, it's such an integral part of who God is. Uh, and then there's people like philosophers and, and liberal theologians that believe that you know, God is really just the essence of truth. All right? It's an, God is an idea. Right? Uh, but he's not just an idea. He's a real being. Right? From the very first page of the Bible, where we have the story of creation, and all the way through the story of the Bible, there's a continuous stream of miraculous events uh, and the demonstration of supernatural power right up to the very last page where it talks about Christ's return and bringing heaven to earth. I mean, the Bible is all about supernatural, all about miracles, all about miracles. If you went through and ripped out every portion of Scripture that had to do with supernatural, you know, axe heads floating on water, dead people coming back to life, deaf people hearing, people having angels showing up and telling you what to do in a dream, New Testament, Old Testament, you ripped out all of those from the Bible, you would not have much Bible left. Right? And so if the whole of the Bible is filled with supernatural, miraculous events, how could anyone really say that they are no longer for today? Right? And so even though, if you're here, you probably already believe this, but I want to e equip you with some understanding of how to relate to the idea that uh, with people that we love may embrace that they're not for today. So, <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm, I'm not arguing against them necessarily, but we need to understand why we believe what we believe. And it helps to understand why they, people who uh, say the miraculous gifts are no longer for today, it helps to understand their belief system too, because, it, you know, there is a history to it. <clears throat> so, in theory, we don't need a miraculous God. In theory, you know, theoretically, God has given us truth. He's given us the Bible. We can learn how to live a good life. Um, he's already created everything. He's got to get the system up and running. As long as we obey, behave right, things should go well. And that's how most people live their life, even people that believe that God uh, can do miracles. We just think, well, you know, if, we, if we're obedient and we're good kids, things will go well. And to a degree, that's true. But you know what? In practice, when we come up against an emergency or a need, we want a God of power. All right. Just a few days ago, I got a phone call from our pastor in South Carolina, and he had just gotten a phone call that a child, a toddler in their congregation uh, was found at the bottom of the pool blue, and they don't know how long the, the baby was down there. And I'm like, I prayed for Scott. <clears throat> Gave him a few words of encouragement, and he was he was talking to me while he was getting in his vehicle to drive to the thing. And so you know what? <clears throat> uh, for that next hour until I get the next phone call, I wasn't praying. Oh God, give comfort. 
oh God, help us learn something from this. Right? I mean, I was saying give comfort, but that wasn't all what I was praying. I was saying, God, stretch out your supernatural hand. Revive that baby. I pray against no brain uh, damage whatsoever. I pray complete healing on his body. Father, work a miracle. And I kept praying that, and I kept praying that, and I, kept, and I was afraid. But I was confident and got to hear my prayer, and so I was praying it, praying it. And thankfully, one, his father was a police officer, pulled him up, knew how to do CPR, got him to the hospital in time. <clears throat> the second call was like, they revived him, but it doesn't look good. I'm like, okay, we kept praying, kept praying. And uh, within two hours, uh, after he'd gotten to the hospital, got another phone call. He's, he's awake, alert, and watching television. Yeah, and talking. The doctors say he should have full recovery, no problems whatsoever. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Ooh, relief. <laughs> yeah, well, it was pretty tense there for a couple hours. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've been in situations where, where children, people drowned or died, and, and, and it hasn't. And so you go, wow, was that a miracle, or did we just get lucky? I'm like, well, what's the difference? I give God the glory. Praise God, because it could have turned out. But during that time, I needed a miraculous God. I didn't need a theoretical God. I needed power, not just truth. Right? Truth is good, but truth is power, really. I mean, I needed more than just a, a teaching God. I need a power God, right? And thank God we had a, a good ending to that story. Over the centuries, you see, the church has struggled. Christians struggle with this idea. And the reason we struggle with it is because, you know, there's other times, I mean, well, there was a time where a baby drowned in our church. And we prayed. I stayed up all night that night praying, uh, along with several other people from our church. We did a vigil, man. But there was no bring that baby back. That baby's already in heaven. And Well, why does it work one time and not the other? I don't know. The best scholars, the people who write books on that, the best conclusion is we don't know. And, and it's, it's, I don't have a good answer. Right. I, I read this one book, Power, Authority to Heal, and the conclusion is, is that we pray for healing, and we pray for miracles because we're commanded to. It's an act of obedience. All right? To pray for the sick is an act of obedience because Jesus said, go pray for the sick. You know, it's God's part of the deal to bring healing. I don't have in and of myself that a power, that the Holy Spirit in me has the power to bring healing. And so <clears throat> um, it is a real struggle. Um, so there's two, two sides to this, the general sides, continuationism, probably never heard that term before, it's not used much, uh, and that's just all the Christians who believe that miraculous stuff still continues, right? And uh, that would be charismatic churches. But, you know, um, I have some Anglican priests, right? Anglicans are the... Uh, older term and version for the Episcopal, what many people call the Episcopal Church. Uh, the Episcopal Church in America is rather liberal, but the Anglican Church has been around much, much longer. And they're priests. They do sacraments and all that stuff. They never stopped believing in miracles. They predated uh, uh, much of the, like the Baptists and the Methodists and a lot of churches that uh, fall into uh, cessationists um, and so 
that church has always embraced miracles and still does to this day. Okay, so it's not only charismatic churches, it's and actually the Catholic Church actually believes in miracles, right? Um, uh, they're more open to the a miraculous activity of God than many um, evangelical uh, churches uh, uh, that uh, you know claim adherence to the Scripture. And so continuism is those who believe that miracles are for today. Cessationist is the term you probably should be aware of, and that's people who think it's no longer for today. Right? And those are all those people you know, or maybe the church you grew up with was a cessationist church, and there's a lot of teaching, and we have to be careful that we don't offend people who have uh, believed that those, uh, the supernatural, miraculous expressions of the Holy Spirit are not for today, because they actually do so because they were taught that. And they believe that that's what the Bible teaches, um, <clears throat> and it's uh, normally associated with fundamentalism. Okay, Fundamentalists. I know this may sound like a class, and it is. By golly, you just need to know this stuff. <laughs> All right. So the American church was heavily influenced by fundamentalism. And the reason they call it fundamentalism, most people don't know this, most preachers don't know this, uh, most people that go to college don't even know this. Um, <laughs> the reason it's called fundamentalism is because there's a guy, it was in the 18, early 1800s, I believe it was, <clears throat> I could look up the date, wrote a series of books that was called the fundamentals, in which he explained the fundamental beliefs of the Christian church. And one of those fundamental beliefs in his series of books was that the gifts were for just the first century and not for today. Right? Well, one reason is because they'd never seen gifts. They'd never seen any miracles. And, and so they had to come up with a theology to support why they didn't see any miracles. All right? <clears throat> Well, there are other reasons as well. Uh, there's lots of other things. Uh, fundamentalism has a lot of good stuff. All right? Fundamentalism believes that the Bible is the Word of God. If the Bible says it, I believe it. Right? That's it. <clears throat> it's good enough for me. All right? And so we believe that the Bible says what it means, means what it says. Amen. All right? But because fundamentalists believe that the Bible is infallible Word of God, it's one of their main beliefs, and they also believe that the miraculous gifts are no longer active, if you disagree with them, then you must not believe that the Bible is infallible. You see the logic? Because fundamentalists believe that the gifts are not for today, if you believe the gifts are for today, you must not believe that the Bible is infallible. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, excuse me. That's not quite, you know, one, that doesn't equal. That's not 1 plus 1 equals 2. That's 1 plus 1 equals 15 or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, cessationism uh, predates fundamentalism. In other words, there have been people that believed that the gifts ended a thousand years ago. Okay, there were churches that believed that long before the fundamentalism ever came about. <clears throat> and it's a broader issue. It's a bigger, it's a bigger question. Uh, cessationists teach that the miracle, miraculous gifts were only for the first century and ended when the original apostles died. That's one of the primary assertions, is that the gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, um, and uh, divine revelation, uh, all kinds of stuff, <clears throat> and actual miracles, uh, uh, rise, people rising from the dead, um, you know, they're just not for today. They were only for the first century church to authenticate, to prove, as proofs of 
that uh, the apostles were legitimate. Okay, And so it, it really happened, but then it stopped happening because we didn't need it anymore. Um, <clears throat> and the basis for that is that they believe that the completion of the, the canon, the canon is just what is the, the complete Bible. Canon means uh, not just a, a thing that shoots cannonballs. <laughs> it's a collection of writings. Uh, and the collection of the, uh, of the books of the Bible is complete. And that it's infallible. The Bible is, it has no mistakes in it. Uh, and it has sufficient authority. Okay, So everything you need to live godly is contained in this book. Right? I believe that. I believe in sola scriptura, okay, which is a, a, the, 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 the call of the reformers that we don't need uh, the Pope, basically. We don't need any authority outside of Scripture. Uh, we have the authority of Scripture, and the, the authority and power of Scripture, which is infallible, is able to produce all godliness and correct belief. And, and Do you believe that? I believe that! Okay. Um, <clears throat> those are all the basis to say, they then, because that is really the essence of fundamentalism, uh, and they say that because Scripture is complete, we don't need any of that other stuff. In fact, I once recently, not too long ago, on, online, <coughs> came across this video of this young man. Fervently, he actually got up in a conference that was being a, a charismatic conference, that they were allowing people to come up and give testimony of healings, <laughs> and, and he hijacked it. And instead of giving a testimony of healing, he went, he just got in their face about how believing for supernatural healing today is denying the sufficiency of the cross. And it's actually an offense to God, and how everybody in the room was a heretic. I know. And I was like, wow, he's really passionate, but he's really wrong. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's not denying the sufficiency of the cross. It's an example of the sufficiency of the cross. It's a demonstration of that Jesus' death on the cross was power over sickness and sin. That's why we believe it. All right? We don't, we're not adding. So this is how you respond to this idea that... Um, uh, that we believe in the miraculous for today and the, the, that Scripture is complete and whole in that <clears throat> uh, no miraculous revelation or miracle or experience of any kind can in any way add to any part of Scripture and it does not have any uh, equal authority to Scripture in any way. Does that make sense? There's nothing, so if someone has a prophecy or a vision, and the, Paul actually says, if, you, if an angel appears to you and says something that contradicts this gospel, don't believe them, okay? But he didn't say if an angel appears to you and tells you to do something like the angels that appeared to him or to Joseph or to Peter or to all the other people in the New Testament and told them to do something that was in line with Scripture, Right? He didn't say, don't believe angels. He's, that, don't believe that angels still appear. He doesn't say that. He said, judge every spirit. If they appear, are they representing Jesus or not? So he actually assumed believers would be encountering angels. When's the last time you spoke to an angel? 
And why has it been so long? <clears throat> and why do I say it? Why? Because I believe Scripture is the guide, the rule of life. And if in Scripture it assumes and tells us how to respond to angels, how to walk in the supernatural, then we should be expecting that. All right. So we don't add to the Scripture. It, every word must submit to Scripture. So it's just taking, it's just like applying. And it's really funny because I know a lot of people, that are, a lot of ministers are cessationists, and they just have different words for the same thing. So they'll feel God nudge them. Yeah, I would call that a prophetic word. Okay, You just heard from God. No, I can't hear from God. That stopped. Well, you just felt God tell you to, to you know, take another pastorate in a different state, right? That's hearing God's voice. He's still speaking. Well, it's a matter of con- you know. Anyway, <laughs> but it all submits. We never add. Now this is a problem because some charismatics and some people who buy into the idea of the supernatural go way too far, way too far. Okay, and so there is danger. But how many have ever used a chainsaw? Right? Is it dangerous? You can cut your leg off in, in, in 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Is it still a very powerful tool that can get a lot done? Yeah, powerful tools are dangerous. Uh, the infallible authority of Scripture teaches and demonstrates that miracles are an essential part of the Christian message. Okay, so I actually, because I'm a fundamentalist, because Scripture, because of the infallibility and the sufficiency of Scripture, teaches that the miraculous is part of the Christian life. That's why I believe it. So the very reason that they say it's no longer applicable is the reason I'm like, I'm sorry, actually, the Bible teaches it. And so I believe it because it's part of what the Bible teaches, that we are to live and practice uh, as part of the Christian message. You can't take out the supernatural from the Christian message and still have the Christian message. Right? Because Jesus' resurrection was the expression of the supernatural, right? Uh, uh, removing sin from my carnal body takes a miracle, right? We need that on a daily basis. We need the supernatural operating in our life on a daily basis uh, to overcome. And so the last one, uh, <clears throat> it's an essential part of the perfection of Scripture in guiding the church is to teach and command us to do the mir- miracles and to hear God's voice. So the perfection of Scripture to guide the church is part of this revelation, which is part of the Reformation, which happened in the 1500s through the 1700s, radically changed the whole church. That, that all the church needs to know how to do God's will is the Bible. Amen. Doesn't need a prophet come along prophesying. right? But what prophets do is take what's written in this word and assign it, this is what needs to be done right now. Okay? So that's the right role of the prophet. And I believe that essential to the, the, the ability of Scripture to guide the church, built into that is the active gifts of supernatural, miraculous, charismatic things. So it's, it's, I'm more fundamental in this way, more fundamental than the fundamentalists. Getting ahead of myself. Now, one of the main verses that uh, uh, people that believe that uh, the gifts have ceased is First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen. Love never fails, <clears throat> but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Tongues will cease. It's in the Bible. I'd say, Amen. You're right. 
Prophecies will fail. Amen. Whether there is knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, <clears throat> then that which is in part will be done away with. We prophesy in part. We see in part. Paul says that somewhere else. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Let me just explain this verse. If anybody shows this verse to you as proof that the gifts have ceased, you have to say, the big thing is what's bold. But when that which is perfect has come. So, what are they talking about there? <clears throat> the cessationists believe once the perfect, infallible, Bible complete has come, we now have the Bible. We don't need that anymore. Because that which is perfect has come. Oh, well in that case, if that's true, then knowledge will vanish. So we don't need Bible colleges anymore. Seminaries should go end. We don't need to study. All right? Right? Um, oh, it also means then, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. You see God face to face. Then is when that which is perfect has come. We see him face to Do you see God face to face? Well, no, not quite yet. All right? <clears throat> and then, then, when that which is perfect come. I shall know just as I also am known. Do you know God as well as God knows you? <clears throat> no. Not even close. All right, so that which is perfect has come doesn't say the Bible. In fact, it was in the Bible. <laughs> he was writing scripture about the future. Okay? So it can't be the Bible because that was the present. It was already written. And in Scripture, he says there's a future event that's coming. What's that future event? It's when we see Jesus face to face. When we know him as well as he knows us. And then we don't need knowledge. We don't need to learn the book. We don't need to talk in tongues. We don't need to prophesy. Because we will be in his midst. All right? So that fulfillment is the return of Christ. And all of this helps us get there. All right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, that is the answer to the cessationist um, um, uh, viewpoint. <clears throat> and just to kind of back it up, we believe that God is miraculous. He always has been. Uh, John, uh, or, I'm sorry, Jeremiah, oh Lord God, is one of the prophets of the Old Testament, just ex ex expressing praise. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Is there, uh, there is nothing too hard for you. So he bases our understanding. And listen, the God of Christianity is the God, is the creator God. So every time, you know, this is what I think. <clears throat> I think when an atheist gets to heaven and stands before the judgment seat and says, God, there was no proof in my life that you existed. And God's going to flip a switch and they're going to see how Every single thing is a miracle. I'm telling you, I've studied biology, and they don't really know how a tree grows. They can tell you the sequence of events, but they can't tell you why. A dead seed, they have found seeds that have been dead for thousands of years. 
first century seeds of barley and rice found in, 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 in clay pots. And they put them in the right soil at the right temperature, and the plant comes to life. I'm telling you, that's a miracle. And in, embedded in all of creation is the expression of the miraculous power of God. You can read about that in Romans chapter 1. Anyway, <laughs> so the creation itself demonstrates, hey, everything's a miracle. All right? Um, <clears throat> and there's nothing too hard for God. Uh, and God himself says when, when, uh, uh, in Genesis, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. This is his encounter with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was nearly 100 years old and barren and promised that she would have a child. That's a miracle, all right? A literal, actual miracle in a person's life. God did it. Uh, In James, we learn that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change. Amen? Amen? So if God was miraculous from the beginning to the end and all the way through, he's miraculous right now. God doesn't change. That's what the Bible teaches. I believe it. (laughs) Jesus is miraculous, right? Do I even have to give you examples? (laughs) Have you read the New Testament? Right? You read the Gospels, and the primary essence of the Gospels isn't the the things he taught. There's portions where he talks, tells parables. There's a Sermon on the Mount, but it goes from one miracle to the next. Every four Gospels, And then I love how John, at the end of his gospel, two different times he writes. In John 20, he says, Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. All right, here's another little tidbit. Someone said, God only does what's written in the book. You can say, that is not biblical. Let me repeat that. If someone ever says, God only does what's written in this book, You can look at him and say, that's not biblical. That's not what the Bible teaches. All right? She agrees. (laughs) I don't know, is that a laugh or a cough? (laughs) Right? Because Jesus did a whole bunch of stuff that's not written in the book. Does that make sense? All right? So, So Jesus and God still does stuff. No, it's not that he did anything contrary to what was written in the book. He said, we don't have a record of everything Jesus did. Why is that in the Bible? To teach us that Jesus was doing miraculous stuff continuously. In fact, he repeats it. He says, uh, there are so many other things, this is a whole chapter later, that Jesus did, which if we were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So the Jesus you worship was doing stuff constantly. Why? Because that's his nature. That's who he is. That's not who he was. That's who he is. Because Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and tomorrow. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. One more point. The church is supposed to be is also supposed to be miraculous. All right? We are to live Christ-like. We're to follow him. That's the call. Follow me. Walk like I walk. So if Jesus was doing so many miracles that if they were all written down, they couldn't be fit into all the books in the whole world, then why aren't we? Well, you know, if we've been inundated and taught our whole life that that's not for today, 
then it there's this, this there's this you know it's like there, there's a speed bump in our brain that we need, we need enough inertia to get over that speed bump. Come up to a speed bump, you don't have enough. If you're not moving fast enough, you'll get stuck, right? And so that's what happens with a lot of people is that we well, we just don't really believe it's gonna, it's possible. So we don't even ask, right? Or if it happens, we come up with if something happened, we come up with another excuse for it. God's doing miracles all the time. We are to be, we are to expect that. <clears throat> uh, and this is why Christians you hear about miracles in other cultures happening much more frequently. That's because they live in a society that believes in the miraculous. All right? uh, uh, our, our branch of our network in Africa, Iris Ministries under Highland, Heidi and Roland Baker, have seen hundreds and hundreds of people raised from the dead. I've met one of them. Okay? One guy was dead four days. I, I recently heard a testimony. The, the, the opponents would... Uh, Capture a pat, captured this pastor, and I know this, this sounds so ridiculous that it's like, I don't know if I believe it, right? Except the person who told it to me, I trust. And the person that told the story originally, I trust. And it's like, Heidi Baker is pretty trustful, okay? All right? So they captured this pastor. Muslim uh, would capture a Christian pastor because they were, they were being so effective in this Muslim region of Africa. This is what they did. Believe it or not, it's up to you. They chopped his body into pieces, threw the pieces in a bag, took the bag to the, the revival, and threw it on the stage. It was a threat. The person just kept preaching, didn't, didn't respond to it. Kept saying the message of God, kept preaching uh, uh, Jesus, and by the end of the service, something was moving in the bag. And they opened up the bag, and the person was alive and healthy. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Just a couple months ago, I think I mentioned it, John Arnott showed me a picture. John Arnott was going to be up in Kalamazoo uh, next week. A, a, a friend of his, I don't remember who it was, sent him a picture because he prayed for his friend, prayed for a man who had had an artificial elbow implanted in his arm like 10 or 15 years ago. But it, it, it never worked right, and it was, gave him pain continuously every day. And so John's friend prayed for his, ar his arm. God bless you. Guy went home, woke up the next morning, and sitting next to his bed, in his bed, was the artificial elbow, the metal with some bones still attached to it. And his arm was completely healed. I have a picture on my phone, if you want to see the picture that he shared. I took a picture of the picture. It was like, wow, that's crazy. How do you explain that? I can't explain that. But the guy had an artificial elbow that hurt, and now he doesn't. And they took that, that, that artificial elbow to the doctor that put it in, in his arm, and they checked the serial number, and it was the one they put in his arm. Wow. <clears throat> so you hear stories like this and you go, wow, I want to see more of it. Uh, most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So Jesus is saying, this is going to happen. You're going to do greater miracles than Jesus, because Jesus is going to be with the Father. 
where is Jesus now? All right, so this still applies. It doesn't say until the Bible is complete. He says, until I'm, as long as I'm with the Father. Now, when Jesus comes back, you know, I think it's, everything will change. There isn't going to be any more sickness or sin. Uh, and so it'll all change then, when that which is perfect comes. In another place, uh, Paul describes what the church is. 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so he's talking about the church, the body of Christ. And God has appointed these in the church. God put these things in the church. Now these are not appointed in 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 order, but in rank. Okay, so this is not first the apostles, and then they go away, and then we have prophets, and then they go away, and then we have teachers, and then they go away because okay, we still have teachers, right? And after that, miracles. Oh wait a minute, we, <laughs> teachers are supposed to produce miracles. Right? This is the rank. So in other words, of importance or or, or uh, significance are apostles. Uh, those who, who start and, and, and move into new regions, prophets, those who proclaim God's word, teachers, those who teach God's word, and then miracles. This is the Bible's definition of what should be included in a church. Gifts of healing, wow, should be just a natural part of church. Helps, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all sign up for that. Yeah, we can help get things done. Uh, administrations, that means leaders and organization and structure and a variety of tongues. Uh -huh. The least important, or at least by rank, but certainly important because it's part of the list. All right? And so the Bible's own description or definition of church includes these things, and there's nowhere that it describes church without those things. And so you cannot have a New Testament church fully if those things aren't part of it. Not because we don't believe in the Bible, but because we believe the Bible actually is true in what it says. Is this making sense? All right. So we really need to have this deep inside us, that we, we believe this because Scripture says it, not just because we want something in addition, all right? or because it's cool, or because it's powerful, or because it gives us goosebumps. All those things don't matter. You really encounter God, you probably won't get goosebumps. You'll be, you'll, you know, an angel shows up, people don't get goosebumps. They fall over like they're dead or they're scared to death. Really, they, ah! The angel says, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. don't be afraid. All right? That's what we want. We believe the Bible is fundamentally true because uh, uh, it's because we believe that. We believe that miracles are for today. That's where we're more fundamental than the fundamentalists. The Bible doesn't teach. <clears throat> that we are not to do what it commands, like heal the sick, uh, raise the dead. You know, uh, if you pray for the sick, they will recover. We believe that it commands those things. It got, it's demonstrated by God, and Jesus did it throughout, as well as the early church. It's, it's an integral part, and so that's why we believe all of these things are for today. The Bible is not a history book about what God did. It's a textbook about what God does and who God is. And it should be something that we are continuing to do as well. We need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. So if you pray for somebody and they don't recover, you don't change your doctrine because you don't see it. Right? That's like saying, you know, I tried to quit having uh, 
committing adultery, but I just couldn't, so I guess it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Not, you know, I tried to quit shoplifting, but, you know, it just ended up in my pocket. <laughs> so I guess it's okay, right? We, that's ridiculous, right? God commands you, all, you know, commands you not to steal, but he also commands you to pray for the sick so that they recover, right? Uh, pray for, for supernatural things. And so if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean we stop doing it. It means, okay, well, it didn't happen. I, I can't explain why. Even Jesus didn't heal people that's in places. Wow. And so we continue to press in, and we, find, we, we open ourselves up to learn, how can I walk in a more miraculous way? I mean, is it possible to see angels? Do we theoretically believe that? How many theoretically believe that? Like, it's, it's possible, huh? Would you like to? Yeah. Well, there's actually a process that you have to go through. You have to begin to look for them. Because, you know, if, you won't, if you're not looking for something, you're not going to see it. And there's actual psychological proof. Psychologists have proven this. Uh, there's videos online I can show you. Uh, there's this one video, I'm sorry, they take these test people, I did it, and I failed it, all right? They said, count how many times they make a basket or something, there's a basketball team. And so you're counting the baskets. <clears throat> and then they say, how many, at the end of the video, they say, how many saw the gorilla? And everybody goes, what, what are you talking about, a gorilla? And they replay the same video, and during the basketball game, there's this big guy in a gorilla suit that walks across the screen like this. And I did not see the gorilla. Nobody sees the gorilla. Okay, have you seen that? How many have seen that video? It, it's online. You've seen it? Isn't it crazy? It just makes you go, "What in the world?" Listen, there's things we're missing all the time because we're not looking for them. All right, this is the way the brain is wired. So there's angels right now, but you don't you don't see them because you don't know what to, to look for. You know? Uh, God is manifesting himself all the time. He hasn't stopped. God hasn't stopped talking. The whole creation continues to be held together by the power of his word. That's a quote from the New Testament. If God stopped talking, the whole universe falls apart. All right? So if God's talking, but we're not hearing, it's not God's problem. Is that we've got our fingers in here. All right. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. He didn't say, my sheep will read my book. Just saying. <laughs> Is it a question? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to get to heaven and find out, wow, that prayer was answered by that? Wow. And this, I stood by faith, and God, you let me down. And he's going to say, no, this is what happened because you stood by faith. Oh, <gasps> wow. And that's how it, it is often. But we also want to see, you know, I haven't seen a dead person come back to life yet. Okay? I have friends who see dozens of people who are blind come have sight on an annual basis. 
but they travel a lot more than I do, and I travel a lot. <laughs> um, you know, so I want to see those things, and I want us all to see those things. But we need to believe. We need to believe that it's because the Bible teaches. It's rooted and firm. We have this understanding in us. And so next week, when Dan Slade's here, I just want to warn you. <laughs> um, Dan is great. He he spends his his entire life now uh, traveling around the world, spreading revival. Um, uh, Dan was a Baptist, uh, uh, went to a Baptist seminary, was full-on cessationist, completely, okay? And through a, a series of experiences, ex- uh, experienced the power of God, and it changed his life, which led him to get fired from the Baptist church that he was pastoring <laughs> and kicked out. Um, and so that... My, my battery is running low. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that means my time is out. Um, and so uh, Dan is a, a phenomenal Bible teacher, and sometimes he just teaches really good. He's a good Bible teacher. Uh, but sometimes if the Holy Spirit is moving, he uh, often will manifest by doing things that are somewhat odd. And even he knows it's odd, and it's hard for him to explain. But uh, uh, um, and I don't know where he, how he's going to, he's probably going to be pretty straightforward here because he, it's his first time in this church. Um, but uh, he, it's biblical, and it is someone that actually has, you know, a, he's got at least a doctor. I, I, I don't know, he doesn't, I think he's got a master's degree. He went to seminary. Um, <clears throat> and so he's a theologian, actually. But he believes in God's power flowing through his body flowing actively today. John or not, if you're able to come up to the meetings in Kalamazoo, one of the main things he ministers is supernatural healing, continually sees people healed of sicknesses, chronic pain, um, and and he talks on forgiveness uh, as well. And so uh, some of that stuff you may see, but as a church, we we don't want to lose that aspect of Christianity because it's an essential part of what the Bible teaches Christianity is. And so we're taking a month just to talk about it and to uh, give some room for it. I'm going to be talking about healing in a few weeks when I'm back here. So otherwise, let me just close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you're uh, the same today as you were, uh, Jesus, when you walked the earth 2,000 years ago, and the same that you will be when you return in power. And God, that you never change. There's no variation. There's no shadows. There's no hidden things in you, uh, Lord, that you are constant and unchanging.